just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you here today. And I'll tell you a quick little story. Many, many years ago, I decided that I was going to uh, bake cookies for my wife and my children. They were all young and at home at the time. And so I got out the cookbook. I read through the directions. I got the ingredients, did it to my best, you know, the best of my ability and put those suckers in the oven. But I didn't realize the difference between tablespoons and teaspoons and so every time it called for a teaspoon or two or three of something i was using tablespoons and for those of you who don't know there are three tablespoons or three teaspoons rather in one tablespoon so i had like six times the amount of vanilla you're supposed to have and things like that as you can imagine the result was a disaster I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. I read the instructions to the best of my ability. I just read them wrong. Well, there's a lot of things in life that can be that way. And you know what? The Bible is no exception. And sometimes people read the same Bible that you and I read, and the results are disastrous. (laughs) We're going to talk about that today. There's a book available now called How to Read the Bible, as if your life depends upon it. It's a little more important than making cookies, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you that. And it's written by Dr. Michael Youssef, who is our guest today. And uh, I appreciate you guys being here, by the way. This is a good conversation to have. Uh, And so, uh, as always, we appreciate you hitting the like, share, follow buttons. Those are all great. Uh, And glad you're a part of the conversation today. Dr. Michael Youssef, thank you for being here on Life Today Live. Good to have you today. Wonderful to be with you, Randy. So thank give you us, for having me. Oh, yes. Yeah. Any time, by the way. And you, you had an thank open you. invitation here because I love what you're doing because you're teaching the scripture. So give us a little background, though, on, on this approach, because that is a little bit of a jarring title, how to read the Bible. Most people think, oh, just pick it up and read it. But yeah, eh, it's not, not always that, that, that easy. Sure. And you find that in the testimony of many before the Holy Spirit opens their eyes and realize that they are sinners and need salvation, and then by grace they are saved. They would say they open the Bible, and it doesn't make any sense to them, Mm -hmm. and that's very understandable. But then there are other people who know the Lord, love the Lord, and want to learn to read the Bible, and then they'll read it, and they'll read a verse, and they said, ah, that's for me. And uh, there's always a joke, and I was born in Egypt. I lived there the first 18 years of my life. And, and uh, we had a man, a missionary from Canada back in the 50s. And uh, he was a total failure. He, he couldn't even share his testimony. <laughs> and we often wondered, how in the world did he become a missionary? And we found out that one day he was reading the Bible, and he his eyes fell on the the verse says, flee to Egypt. No. <laughs> so he, he just said, oh, that's for me. God called me to go to Egypt. Then I can tell you other stories of how some really erroneous uh, movements started, like the sinless perfection movement. Mm. 
they were reading the scripture, Paul saying, you have crucified the flesh. Well, they didn't understand that in a Greek grammar, the aorist tense means in, yes, you have crucified, but you keep on crucifying the flesh. Mm-hmm. But he said, ah, you must have an experience where you actually uh, experience sinless perfection. Now, <laughs> we're going to have sinless perfection, but not in this life. Uh, and so a whole movement started mm-hmm. and uh, spread around the world. And I can give you many examples, but the very burden that led me to write this book is that so many, first in the mainline denominations that I used to belong to, now the evangelical churches are saying, well, this not all the Bible can really be taken seriously. There's some things we don't understand. And, you know, very well-known evangelical megachurch pastor said, if, you know, because he can't prove Noah and the flood and he can't prove Jonah and the whale, uh, you can get unhitched from the Old Testament. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to believe the Old Testament. Well, the problem with that is that the Old Testament is the foundation. Mm-hmm. The, the New Testament is the building, or if it's a building with the Old Testament, the New Testament is the roof over the building. So the two are one. It's one book, not two books. It's one book with two acts, like Act 1, Act 2 mm-hmm. in a play. Uh, so I was burdened uh, to write this book because I began to read people like Barna and others are telling us that uh, less than 18% of Christians crack the Bible maybe once or twice a year. Less than 10% of Christians read the Bible every day. I said, no wonder the illiteracy, biblical illiteracy, is what is leading our generation and our culture, even among the so-called professing Christians, away from biblical worldviews, mm-hmm. because that, that they, when, you, when, you, when you burn the foundation or destroy the foundation, you got nothing left. Yeah. I think that pastor's in your area, but we won't name names on this program because we want redemption for everyone, but we'll stand against the bad ideas. And that is yeah. one. So as you're, as you're teaching at, at Church of the Apostles there in Atlanta, uh, or yeah. uh, with Leading the Way, the ministry you founded, um, what do you, how do you handle the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Because, you know, you got those who dismiss the Old Testament entirely, but yeah. then you've also got those who are basically what Paul was fighting against, which are Judaizers, which say yep. we have to hold to the whole law. And I think that is a right. major sticking point for a lot of people. And there's a ditch sure. on one side of the road, and there's a ditch on the other side of the road. What's the yeah. right path? Well, the right path is, uh, you, you don't, I mean, Jesus did not, uh, uh, the, the word I'm thinking of is, is he, he did not ditch the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. He quoted it. Mm-hmm. Many times. And then he said, I came not to contradict it, but to fulfill it. And so that is really the linchpin here mm-hmm. to answer your question, uh, yeah. Randy. It's a very important question because uh, Jesus came to fulfill it. Are we saved by the, by the law? No. Uh, even the Old Testament people didn't, were not saved by the law. Mm-hmm. Abraham was 400 years before the law was given. And the Bible said he believed God and he was reckoned to him as righteousness. Mm -hmm. So you're saved by faith, not by the law. 
And even the law was given in order to show us the character of God, what God is like. But nobody was ever saved by the law because nobody could keep the law perfectly. Mm -hmm. But the law are given to us so that we realize, I said, my goodness, I can't do this. I said, yes, now you got it. There's one who kept it perfectly. And he's the only one on whose coattail you can make it to heaven, yeah. that you can have his righteousness. And so it is not necessarily, I mean, it's the understand. That's why I wrote the book. It's to <laughs> understand why God did what he did in the Old Testament and why the continuation. And when Jesus came in order to show us what the intention, God's intention was all about. Because, you see, the, the rabbis through the years, they've added to it and they mm. modified it and then they twisted and turned it. And so Jesus said, no, listen, here's what God intended all along. These people messed it up. And so we understand the law is, 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 is given to us in order to show us what God is like and the character of God, but also for us to realize that we can keep it and therefore God says, he's my Savior who's kept it, and you can come to him and be eternally saved. Yeah, and I had, we had this conversation in my church small group just in, within the last week, uh, and, and it's really interesting how we, we do get kind of stuck in the Old Testament, and, and, and I say it in the sense that you know, the old, Paul said the Old Testament is, the, is a tutor, a teacher, you know, to help yes. instruct yep. us. But sure. what's the purpose of a tutor or a teacher? Well, it's to graduate in a sense. And I see that in, in Christ. Yep. It's so, I mean, we're, we're supposed to get to a point where we're, we are in an era beyond the old law. And, you know, we yep. live by an, a law of yep. love, which is not yep. to dismiss or discount the foundation, but to build right. upon it. Uh, and, and again, that's Christ. You mentioned something else that I, I think a lot of people struggle with, uh, and I have no idea where you land on this, so I could be opening a whole can of worms here, but <laughs> when, okay. we, when we talk about the prophetic, and you know, we're hearing a lot right now, but oh, we're in a time where the Old Testament yeah. prophecies, are, prophecies are now coming to fulfillment, and I'm going, those were fulfilled in Christ, were they not? This is something Absolutely. you address in the book sure. as well. Where do you... I do. Where do you see that landing with the Old Testament prophecies as related to Christ, and even to us today? Well, the vast majority of the prophecies in the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Christ. Even Luke 16, 16 is one of those great verses. The law and the prophets were until John. But from then on, the kingdom of God has been proclaimed. And so we, we, we understand that it is, you know, but, but, but then again, when you read the Old Testament with Christ uh, in, in, in our mind and our heart, you're going to read passages in Ezekiel, in Jeremiah, in Isaiah. I mean, prophetic details about the birth, uh, the life, mm -hmm. the death, the resurrection of Jesus in the Old Testament. And so that when Jesus came and fulfilled it, everyone said, here's the Messiah. Now, some people, of course, still did not believe in him. Mm -hmm. uh, however, the Old Testament is pointing to Christ. The Old Testament pointing to Christ. And you miss that point, you miss the, the point of the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> because he's saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And every book of the, and I'll go through every book, even Obadiah, which is one chapter, got a little paragraph there to show that every book of the Bible is pointing to Jesus and his coming. And so that when Jesus came and said, I'm here to fulfill it. 
Now, there are few and very few in Daniel prophecies, in Daniel and maybe Ezekiel, that have not been fulfilled yet. They are for the final day, but they're not too many. Another, uh, some people really uh, make a mountain out of Mohill <laughs> and said, well, this is what it says this, this is what it says this. I don't get involved in all this kind of arguments. I say, Christ, when he appears, I'm going to be with him. Yeah. And that is what I live for. It is what I, I tell my congregation all the time. And they may be getting sick of me and tired of me saying this uh, for, 30, for now 30, coming 37 years, is that, that I live for, I work for, I strive for, I give for, I sacrifice for those words I'm looking forward to hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. You know, in the days of C.S. Lewis, uh, people always said, ah, oh, he is so heavenly minded that he is of no earthly good. And C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, points to the fact, he said, if you look at history, you're going to find that only those who are effective in this life were uh, uh, f focusing on the life to come. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to give examples uh, uh, from history. And so it is vitally important not to be so focused, uh, you know, about heaven that you forget to live here. There's some people, of course, want to put white robes and head for the mountains and wait for the spaceship. <laughs> that is not that is not what waiting for Christ and 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 waiting for these prophecies to be fulfilled. It is serving Him. Jesus said, "Occupy till I come." He yeah. didn't say, you know, head for the mountains and wait for me. He said, "Occupy," which is do everything you can. In order, and, and then again, Jesus said, you store your treasures in heaven, and not on earth. And all of these words of our Lord that are challenging for us to live this life faithfully. And uh, I, I tell people I work every waking moment to see that the gospel is preached to the ends of the earth. Because in Matthew 24, he said, this gospel of the kingdom must be proclaimed ta ethna, every ethnic group, mm -hmm. until the, and then the end will come. So I said, you want Jesus to come back? Preach the gospel. Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's one way we know that he's going to come. <laughs> you, so you mentioned this word that I love, uh, and that is kingdom. Uh, how do you define, because this is one of those things I've asked a lot of well-known leaders and teachers. And it's, it's, it's an interesting, yeah. I, I think it's interesting. And I just like, it. How do you define the kingdom of God? Sure. Well, the word kingdom is means the rule of God. That's good. You know, in England, in England, you do not become a British citizen. You become a British subject. You become subject to Her Majesty the Queen back then, not to her, His Majesty the King. And you see, when you come and you become a citizen of heaven, you become a subject to the King of Kings, and therefore you, He is your King. And when Jesus is your king, you are a member of that kingdom. You belong to him. And his kingdom is a rule, uh, ruling in the hearts of men and women, and, uh, but not a geographical location with boundaries and, and, uh, and walls and borders. But it is the rule of God in the heart. I was reading this morning in my daily devotion and how, you know, when, when, uh, when Jesus was uh, basically... Uh, in front of Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate said, are you a king? And, 
And he said, well, you said it. And, and then he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Right. He said, otherwise, you know, I would have legions of angels who come in and, and defend me. But my kingdom is not of this world. And it is a spiritual kingdom uh, for the time being. And it will be a literal kingdom when Jesus comes back and take his church uh, with him to the new Jerusalem. I, to me, that is the essence of what we are called to do today. Uh, you know, in, in this life right here, which is, is build that kingdom. And so I, you know, I, I just don't think you can go wrong when, when that's your focus and it's all, Absolutely. Through, oh, it's, I love how it's all through scripture, but, and yeah. sometimes I think we misread the Bible by yeah. projecting it into some future that, you know, we will only see after we die. And I, I go, man, I think, you know, yeah. we're, we're to build his kingdom right here. I mean, yeah. they, and how do you do it? He said it in his prayer, yeah. thy kingdom come, thy your yeah. will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and which gets yeah. us into the, the laws. And sometimes in the evangelical church, we can be a little bit guilty of sort of codifying this New Testament law of mm-hmm. do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. When I look at the wisdom that's in Scripture, both in the old but in, in the new as well, where it tells us do this, don't do that, I, I don't see that as much as like a, a law unto salvation, right? Because the, yeah. the law can't give us salvation. I see that as this is the, the how-to book on how to build his kingdom. Mm-hmm. It, what are you talking about when you talk about the, the wisdom that's in the scripture? And what, right. what are you bringing out there? Well, the law, the law of God is imprinted on my heart. Mm-hmm. And it is this. It prophesied in the Old Testament. It happened in the New Testament. I've been married for 52 years. I love my wife dearly. Uh, I don't have to ask her, what do you want me to do? Or after these years, out of love for her, I will, I will do things that I know that are pleasing to her. In the same way with my relationship with my Lord Jesus, I obey the word. I obey him in order to please him. And it's out of gratitude and thanksgiving for my salvation. It's not because I'm under obligation. I've got to do this. It's my duty to do this. And it, you know, that's not what the age of grace is about, is that Jesus loved me to die for me on the cross. And the least I could do is to be a willing, obedient child of the living God. That is really where the, the distinction between the New Testament and the Old Testament is. And Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews, make that very clear, Mm -hmm. that the superiority of the new covenant is that now we obey out of love, not out of obligation. Yeah. Because we know him personally. Yeah, yeah. Now, And, you know, that that I think is the maturity that you see when you go from the tutor of the law, which instructs as a child does, to being mature in grace. And I love that you use that phrase, Amen. the age of grace. Okay, I want to pe- show people a couple of things. This is the book again, How to Read the Bible by Dr. Michael Yusuf. Uh, and also, this is a website for the ministry, ltw.org, uh, which is Leading the Way Ministries. And so you, if you want to follow up with him, uh, absolutely do that. He's got a lot of great sermons, and he goes into more and more detail on, on some of these points. Uh, and it'll help you, I think, understand Scripture. If you're, stu- if you're stuck on something or something you don't get, this is a great resource for you. And I ask you one more question because I love that sure. you talk about this in your book. 
because uh, again, we, especially here in in America and in, in sort of this evangelical era, I, I, yeah. you know, we fight so much. Well, it, it's it's going both ways. We, we we've got legalism on one side, and then we've got this sort of secularism that's kind of crept in on another side. And it's like, yeah. man, but here's the beauty of what is in scripture and reading it right, understanding it, getting the context, getting the heart of the gospel. And that is what you call the healing aspects of scripture. Right. What are you bringing out when you talk about the healing aspects? Well, I, I, I said that the scripture is like a mirror. And a mirror always very brutally honest and reflect, shows us exactly what we look like. And I asked the question in the book, how many of us are really enjoy looking at ourselves in the mirror the first time when we wake up in the morning? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, in my case, it's a horror show. Yeah, and, but, the, but the amazing thing about the Word of God is it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop being a mirror to reflect our sinfulness and uh, our inconsistencies and hypocrisy, but it also is a hot shower <laughs> that you get in under it and you get cleansed by repentance, by uh, confession, and by asking the Lord to realize. Well, he said, in, our Lord said in uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. Mm. Now, that does not mean uh, forgive our sins in terms of salvation. Positionally, we are forgiven. But this is about the daily life, that I can forgive somebody who uh, sins against me because I know I am totally forgiven, not only positionally, but also daily I'm forgiven by God when yeah. I repent and turn to Him. So that's really important. The Bible is a, is a, is a total job. It shows you, then it, it helps you get cleansed and restored and healed, totally healed, not mm not just a little bit of healing, totally, that completely become whole in the presence of God. You know, the Father looks at us because He looks at us through the prism of the righteousness of Jesus, and He sees us as righteous mm. because He does not see us in, uh, in, in our position. He sees us through Christ and His righteousness. So we have Christ's righteousness, and, and that is the thing that you know, we, I thank God for every day that I have Jesus's righteousness. I have none of my own. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny we we tend to get caught up when we talk about healing in in the bodily healing, which is temporary, regardless of how you look at it. It's temporary, yeah. and yeah. really, I mean, God's priority is shown in Scripture, I and mean, Jesus showed it when they lowered the man down to be healed, and He said, "Your sins are forgiven." His His right. healing is really focused yeah. on the the mind and the spirit because that's eternal. Yeah. That's eternal. Yep. And yeah. Think, yeah. Once you get that, you see how much that yeah. healing power is in the scripture. I love it. All right. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? I appreciate I love oh, the conversation. Just, uh, yeah. And now I, I, I'm just want to support what you're saying. When Jesus healed 10 lepers, one of them was Samaritan. All the other nine were Jewish. So that these are the children of the covenant. They, but only the Samaritan came back and said, thank you. You're <laughs> all physically healed. But when the Samaritan came to thank Jesus, and this is where the gratitude and thanksgiving on a daily basis will do, Jesus gave him salvation. Mm. So he got eternal life as well as physical healing yeah. because of his attitude of gratitude and coming to Christ and thanking him for what he has done. 
And the others, well, they went in and went their happy, merry way, <laughs> and eventually they all died anyway. Yeah, right. He is the only one who became eternally alive. Mm, I love it. I love it. And that's, the man, you, if you read the Bible that way, you're not going to go wrong, people. So I love it. All right, thank you, Dr. Michael Yusuf. Thank, I appreciate you again being on the Pleasure. program today. Appreciate Pleasure. all you guys out there watching. You want to encourage somebody, hit that share button. Uh, and this is good. Be sure to check out how to read the Bible as if your life depends on it. Uh, it, but and it does eternally, spiritually, but also I think on a daily basis uh, of just how to be healed, how to um, experience this kingdom in your life. So appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. This is God's word, brother. It's food, spiritual. It's God's word.